it's crazy, man. You know, I had that one. I hadn't done it for like a couple of years, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back in the game. And I did a video with Doc Easton talking about his relate, you know, his past relationship with Joey Diaz and mm-hmm. how Joey Diaz told this story. And that video, like, was the worst audio and worst produced, and but it did pretty well. So it gave me some hope. I'm like, because I only had like 200 subscribers. And I was like, all mm-hmm. right, it got like 600 views. I'm like, gives me some hope. Then I, uh, I don't know what else I did, but then I did the Chris D'Elia one, defending him. That's got like yeah. 21 or 22,000 views now. Then I gained like nice 260 subscribers. And I'm like, fuck, maybe I could really do this. But uh, ever since then, almost all my videos are like, 20 views 30 views there was one other one that did one that did well was the um the black lives matter mural one has done well for me but i also i did one that i thought for sure i thought this one is this is going to be the one that like tops my chris D'Elia video but it proves you just don't fucking know so you just got to keep doing these things you don't to best of ability. when i was doing those memes dude it was like a, I would do a thing about a sandwich that would get 20,000 views. And then I would do something that I thought was fucking hilarious for 60. And then I did a fucking football one that got 3 million. And you're like, what did the you really? Fuck is 3 going million? On? Yeah, I got one that had 3 Holy million. Holy fuck. That's amazing. But, but here's what's so weird, though, is some of the ones that haven't done as well are the ones mm-hmm. I've gotten the most compliments on. So the, the one I did was um, <laughs> I, I made a video where I took credit for starting the uh, challenge accepted trend uh-huh. where women oh, were challenging other women. Yeah. So the premise was like, you know, women don't know how to bond and they all hate each other as a, so it took a man to teach them how to bond. So I started this movement. So I took credit for starting the hashtag challenge accepted because when it first That's started, so funny. Yeah, because people were like saying, Oh, you know, this got started because of, turkey something in turkey with femicide and then mm-hmm. some reporter said no that's not what it came from it came from this other person and so i thought okay this is funny that everybody people were doing it then getting criticized mm-hmm. for doing it because they were trivializing trivializing this turkish thing then people were criticizing them because it wasn't turkish so i just thought it was funny that everybody was like this really i was like women fucking hate each other so i thought okay i'll add Mm -hmm. on to it and take credit for it so (laughs) it's only like two and a half Mm -hmm. minutes long and it's like i went to more trouble than usual like in the production of it like and people were like dude this is i got more people saying that they thought it was the funniest fucking thing and it's got like 20 views. Although that's on YouTube. Everything on Instagram. My Instagram gets way more views than my YouTube. It just, I don't know why, but it just does. Splash it on all of them. Splash I do. it on TikTok. I do. I was starting to, yeah, I, I have an OnlyFans. I got. I forgot to upload this last one to OnlyFans. What? What are you putting on OnlyFans? Dude, right now all, it's all this free and I'm just the same videos. You know who told me to do that? Um, Adriana oh. Chechik. She was like, bro, you should get, I said, I thought it was just for, you know, porn. And she said, no, man, yeah. she goes, porn is just like a third of it. She said, it's just a community of people that create content and want to have a paywall with like no holds barred. And I was like, oh, she's like, there's a built-in community there. Get on there. And sure enough, dude, all the comics are on there. You look and you realize like Segura and 
Bert Kreischer. I, I don't know them specifically, but people like that. They're all on them. You're like, oh, they, they, uh, they're uploading their shit on here too. That's crazy because as a comic, I would have thought one of them would have told me. Dude, it's realize that they're putting going, their shit everywhere, or some, or the people yeah. that they hi, that they're paying do. You know, I literally thought it was all porn too. No. I had no idea. No, mm. but uh, I've been calling it lonely fans. <laughs> yeah, I only think I think I have like one video there, and it's just free. And but it's just I'm one more place to put your content. Maybe somebody sees it. You know, it's yeah, fucking. But uh, yeah, man. So I uh, the latest video I did was about college kids. They're paying all this money for tuition, and the colleges are not giving them discounts. And in some cases, they're charging them more, like because they're charging them for COVID-related expenses, like testing and the extra cleaning they oh, got to do. So yeah. I, my, that was my video. I was like, imagine going to college. Like this is you're just doing it on Zoom. Like that would. You know, you're, you're getting the least valuable thing that they're offering, which is an education. Uh-huh. Like, you could get that anywhere. <laughs> Go to the fucking library. <laughs> like, edu- true. And you want to learn. Extra. Like, yeah, who, there's, who's stopping you from learning today? <laughs> like, oh, man, if, you're gonna, if they're going to Zoom college, they should just choose the best professor of everything. But you know, the- like. If so I'm going to Zoom, I don't need to Zoom with 80 people to, like, get some community college thing. Give me the best guy. Well, but because here's the thing. Millions though. of us can watch the same one professor. But, but, but here's the thing. Yale, Harvard, these other schools, for years before this, they already mm-hmm. make their lectures available for free. So, again, it's like, <laughs> what? Oh, you're right. Okay, there we go. I don't fucking, it's, but I get the, the whole idea of paying for college is so you could actually have this great professor that reads your paper and then has office hours and talks to you about, you know, why you're a moron. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the institution. Yeah. I mean, yeah, getting an actual, uh, I, I had an advisor. That's my face to face. I, I had an advisor at UCF who would listen to me on the radio. And he was, uh, he knew his broadcasting. He was, I forget what he had done in broadcasting, but he was a, a real deal guy. And he was the advisor for the community, one of the advisors for the school of communications. And he was a radio news guy. And dude, he would hear me on the radio and I'd go into his office. He's like, Hey, you know, I listen to you and you know, I think I could help you out. And he would help me with my delivery and shit. It was like, you don't get that from Zoom. Like and we, had a, we had a relationship where he knew mm-hmm. what I was into and what I liked to do. And he would watch me cross the line and, and he would, he wouldn't, you know, I would, I, dude, I was lucky. I had other people like that too. I had a, the guy that was the news director at, at uh, WOCLFM, which was my first radio gig. He uh, was just an amazing mentor. I miss this guy to this day. He died uh, from a, he went in for like a triple bypass or something and died. And fucking to this day breaks my heart. I would do anything to talk to this guy again. And I wish I had listened to him better. One of the things he was trying to get me to never do was use a credit card. And I just fucking did not listen. And he, yeah, but anyway, but he- I know you and I know what you did with that credit card. Oh yeah. (laughs) Some of it makes for good stories. I mean, look, when you're lonely in New York and drunk and you don't know anybody. And back then there would be these, um, there was a, 
what did you call, uh, what was it called? Like, um, what, what were those TV shows called that anybody could, like these community TV channels? What was it called? You know what I'm talking about. Cable access. Cable access. Cable access. Jesus Christ. So you, I don't know. I love cable access. I don't know if you know this though, man, in New York city, there was these cable access channels that there there was a a cable access channel that, you know, after a certain time, yeah, they were famous and you know, they were completely uncensored. There was no censorship on Mm -hmm. these, And there was like the guy. uh, And so one of the things as it got later, all that there would be was just this never-ending uh, ads for escorts. And, you know, I'd never Oof. seen it, anything like this in my life, you know, that you, they were just freely advertising hookers on TV. And, you know, it's, again, 1997, I'm alone, New York City, drunker than any human being's ever been. And, and you know, there's a credit card. And, I mean, how long, how many different ads for escorts can you watch before you give in at that age? You know what I mean? But it's not fair, really. But this guy, no, he did. He gave me the, the greatest <laughs> advice. He would. Self the victim in the whole thing. Put me down. They put the hookers in my mouth. I mean, he told me not to use these credit cards. and But he, he was awesome. But same thing, man. He was like. I had these great advisors and these were the kind of people that I would do. I would fuck up and they would be so kind to me. They'd be like, well, I guess we all learned. I guess you learned a lesson, huh? Like shake it off. We've all done it. Mm-hmm. People make mistakes and here we go, you know? And that's like, fuck man. Thanks. Yeah. Cause you know, I was always worried about the, that they would, you know, you, at that age, you just like, you're going to face this person and you know that they heard about, this thing you did, you know, but, uh, mm-hmm. there was a, there was a girl comedian, uh, that when I was brand new, real, I mean, my first time, we just ever, call them comedians now <laughs> this, this chick, uh, she was, uh, I, when I was brand new going to open mics, the comedy zone in Orlando, Florida, we were all clueless. And, but there were a, couple once in a blue moon a road comic would come through and do a set and show us what comedy was supposed to look like but we now we're talking like 1994 and um it was but we were in like we were like an island unto ourselves and it was crazy because it was the only open mic around and it was in this Mm -hmm. legit comedy club that was in a hotel in orlando it was like at a hilton it was a comedy zone at like a hmm. oh, holiday inn. I think it was a holiday inn. And you would get business travelers that like hmm. salespeople that were, they looked like right out of Glen Gary, Glen Ross. They all looked like they were ready to blow their brains out. And they would, you know, most of them would sit at the bar and just drink. And we were just this thing happening, this open mic. And then sometimes there were, people would actually show up for this thing. People, for whatever reason, again, they'd be staying at the hotel. Oh, there's comedy. Let's go down yeah. there. So you'd actually sometimes get audiences. And we were all horrible, all of us. And uh, this, I was so out of my fucking mind. And this is before the heavy drinking. And uh-huh. I was just so filthy and so did not, have any idea what I was doing and I'd wanted to do this my whole life and I you know I quit magic uh to do just stand up and 
it was just uh f- and she was so she was so hot and she was so sweet and uh she would really she was a good comic she was one of the few like she wasn't there all the time she was like a like i think she was probably like a, a feature act or something is my guess I, i'm not sure uh-huh. but maybe she was an mc but she was probably on the road like really doing it she she was way more polished but i just didn't listen man i think back to the to the version of me that had a handful of people I really wish I had listened to her and like, and it's so funny in retrospect, I think about how little about I what cared. was the advice? Well, she was, well, she, first of all, she was telling me to stop being so dirty and yeah. And it would, and, and it was good advice because I was just filthy and not funny. And that's like the worst combination. I was grading. I was like, it was hard to watch, you know? And I, but what's, what's weird is like, I can't imagine in retrospect that there was a version mm-hmm. of me that didn't even like care that she was hot. Like, I can't imagine that I wasn't like, Oh my God, this girl is really hot. Maybe I should be nice to her. Like I was nice to her. Well, doesn't change your heroes. I'm sure you're a nice to her. Wait, I want to ask you a question about open mic days that you had in New York. Cause you were going to open mics at the time that Brody and Jeff Ross were brand new. Well, Jeff, Jeff Ross know. was no. Jeff Ross wasn't new. He was already doing pretty. He's younger. He oh, was okay. already doing pretty well. Brody like, was doing open mics with you. Yeah, and, and Jeff would come to these open mics like Collective Unconscious or Surf mm-hmm. Reality, but when he came in, it was like it was already like, oh, that's Jeff Ross. It wasn't. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, but he yeah, was all, But he, I wanted to ask you about Brody. But real quick, though, one thing I should tell you about that girl. I wish I remembered that girl's name. I wonder what happened to her. I will tell you one quick story about her. It was pretty crazy. I won't tell you the story in detail, but basically, I, uh, there was somebody heckling all of the comics one night, and I decided I was going to take it on myself to be a hero and go after this person. And at first, it worked out well, and then I went too far, and I pretty much walked the room. <laughs> And new comic stuff. Yeah. And so uh, I felt really bad. And the guy that ran the room, he, um, we were standing outside. Oh, and well, so before that I get off stage and uh, the people that I uh, laid into like came toward me and there was like, seemed like we were about to have a fight. Like they were Mm -hmm. fucking not happy. They're getting in my face. And that same girl, that was always trying to give me advice, fucking save me from getting into a fight for sure. I didn't want to fight. I was backing up and she got in between this like group of three or four people that wanted to beat my ass and was like, look, he's new. Just, he just walk away. She diffused it, got them out of there. She looked at me and was like, see what I'm trying to tell you. So then the guy that ran the room, we, he walked me out because I, mm-hmm. was, I was devastated. I, I hated how I felt that like this place, that it, it's got to be like what Michael Richards felt like, right? And so, except, except, mm-hmm. my, except the word, you know, I was yelling a different word repeatedly. But anyway, I, uh, the point is, we're standing outside uh, the back door and all of a sudden we hear these tires screeching and this car comes around the corner and fucking people in that car tried to run me over. I had to like jump between oh, two no. parked cars. 
<laughs> and, and the dude that ran the room was like, holy shit. I'm like, he goes, you're pretty quick. I'm like, fuck. Because <laughs> we, we were, we were kind of. That's hilarious. Feet, we were kind of several feet apart. He's like holding, he's like by the back door. And I'm like near, like on my way to the car. Mm -hmm. And this shit came and I went between two parked cars. But so, yeah, you know, uh, but yeah, so, but yeah, Brody, I was right there with Liam McEnany, Brody Stevens, uh, Christian Finnegan. Those were the, all the people that became. Oh, I have a specific more, question about Brody. All those people that became much more successful and well-known than me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Brody. Brody has like this defined style to yeah you know he had a very defined how much of that style was there in his open mic days was it like the same thing just a younger version of him or were you was he already not developed into himself yet wow let me let me think back um man a lot of the i gotta be honest a lot of that's a haze yeah. I, I remember there, I could tell you one specific story. I, I won't say who the comic was, but I'll tell you, I would say that the, the heart of what you know as Brody Stevens on stage. Yeah. That was already mm -hmm. there. Uh, it wasn't as maybe confident, but uh -huh. his voice, I think what you're asking was, did he already have a voice that was developed? And he, he, I mean, I think. Well, because it's so unique. Yeah, I think he already knew who he was on stage at that point. Or you could, if he didn't already, maybe he didn't know, but you could see the beginnings of that. Uh -huh. Like at that time, um, I was still so green because when I was doing open mics in Orlando, it was just once a week and that's not enough to get good. And it's really not yeah. good enough when there's, when you never see anybody else good or very rarely. So when I got to New York is almost when I felt like I really started grinding. And, um, you know, for me, like there were, I tried on a lot of different masks. Eddie Bravo has talked about this in relation to his band about like, Oh, we're going to be this kind of band, or then we're going to be that kind uh -huh. of band. And that's what I was doing. Like, I'm going to be the pensive comedian. I'm going to be the Richard Lewis neurotic comedian. I'm going to be the angry comedian. I'm going to be like Bill Hicks and be angry. And you would try on these like masks because you're trying to be yourself. Uh, I was doing that at that time. Uh -huh. uh, these guys were not. Which, by the way, you should be doing that. You if know, you're listening and you're starting in stand up and you're putting on the mask. Don't feel bad for doing that. I feel like I did that for years before I figured it out. And part of what I am now never changed when I was putting on the different masks. And that's how I know that that's where I am and who well, I am. My part, part of my, the reason I'm bringing it up though, is because at this point, when I was doing this at that point, mm -hmm. Brody was not doing that. Yeah. yeah whether exactly. or not, whether or not Brody ever emulated anybody, I don't know. What I'm saying is he was, further along the yeah. road than I was at that time. And uh, he, I, I was like one of the worst in that, in that world, you know, like they had already, these people had lived in New York longer than mm -hmm. me. Uh, they had already been grinding, but they were w very welcoming though. I got to say um, it wasn't, it was, there was, it was some kind of a cliquish element, 
but it was like, Hey, I'm brand new. And, uh, yeah, but I was definitely way greener than them. I made a lot of, I continued to make a lot of mis similar mistakes that I made in Orlando. I mm -hmm. continued to make in New York. I continue to make them in Chicago. Like I would just, I don't know what the fuck was wrong with me. I, I don't know if anybody did like cross the line that I did as they were starting out more often than me for years. I would just like, and not in a funny way. I would like get like legitimately like angry or something on stage and would lash out in ways that like I, that I'm still like I can remember like I remember when, and I I was trying to be every funny. comic goes through that by the way I remember tr I was trying to be funny like in New York there was an open mic that I used to go to it was three blocks from where I lived it was at a little jazz club called Detour it was on 13th Street and First Avenue and um the girl that ran it was a sweetheart. Something you might not, I don't know if you know this about these open mics you're asking me about in New York, but you know, a lot of them weren't purely stand up. Most of them were a hodge. They were open, open mic now just seems to mean stand up to everybody. At that time, you know, yeah, 20 years ago, it was whatever. It was a guitar, it was a poem, it was anything. Yeah, a lot, dude, there was a lot of poetry at these things. And yeah, it was a hodgepodge of stuff. And honestly, I, I kind of miss that. It, it's um, when I, I continued, I used to go to poetry open mics, sometimes to do spoken word, because I just wanted to do something different where you didn't, mm -hmm. it's like, hey, this is fun. I don't have to be funny. I just got to talk. And, you know, this is fun. Yeah. But um, I would also do stand up at a lot of poetry readings. And Joey Diaz talked about how he would do that and they hated them doing it. The poetry oh. open mics I went to, they welcomed a change of pace. They were like, good, something different, you know? But the point is, Detour was one of, was an open mic in the truest sense. We, there was, I remember there was this one dude that, I mean, so ahead of, it's got to have been so ahead of his time. He did this whole electronic thing where he mixed all these sounds and stuff. I mean, there's, I know like a half a dozen guys that, do some performance of a looper on stage, magicians, yeah. comedians, both. This wasn't that. This was his own like invention, like a one-man band mm. of electronica. And like uh, then there would be like this one guy was working on a novel. So every time, every week, you heard the next chapter because he would read chapter mm. by chapter. I think for him, it was a way of staying on task, right? So it, anyway, you saw everything there. And a lot of That's comedians. That's pretty cool, though. A lot of comedians. Yeah, of course. There was this one comedian... There was one comedian I really liked a lot. And I feel like, see, when I moved to New York, it was such a culture shock for me. I loved it so much, but I was so not fucking, it was all so new. I was so not cool, you know? Like even on the Howard Stern show, I was really, I would offend people not meaning to because it was just, it was almost like I didn't know how to act. It was, it was weird. Well, no, because you're so into going for it. You don't wonder about the consequence or the perspective of going for it yeah well it was just it, but which it was, by the way is what we love about you so but, it's not but, like it's a weird thing well no but this was different this was like i think came out of a lot of being uncomfortable you know mm. i think i was just uncomfortable all the time 
And so I would just come, I would just come off the wrong way. And sometimes I didn't mean mm -hmm. to, you know, I would turn some of that, like a stranger, I could be so charming and get, get them to like me and then say the wrong thing and have it go the whole other way. And it's like, Oh, what did I do? Mm -hmm. I'm just, I don't, you know, but the reason I, I was, you know, so like, uh, how did I get on? There was a reason. Oh, so there was this guy, Danny. I do not remember his last name. And I think if memory serves me correct, he might've been an intern on the Howard Stern show like a semester or two before I was. Mm. I feel like I remember that. And mm -hmm. he was cool with me, but like, we didn't really, there was like friction between us, but mm -hmm. it was probably in retrospect, it was probably my fault. I was probably just, Hmm. you know like insecure and but i remember there's one thing i remember about him that always stuck with me i one of the i used to do this bit that i started doing in orlando and it was one of the it would sometimes it would get laughs and in retrospect i knew it got i i know now it would get laughs because sometimes the way i said it it wasn't the material was dog shit but I would uh -huh. get lucky once. You know how like when you're brand new to stand up, sometimes you would just have a killer set and you don't even know what happened. Like, I don't even know how I did it. Yeah. It was like oh, yeah, that yeah. for me. I have a know? couple of those. So yeah, yeah, I think we all have those. Yeah. You, and especially at this open mic in Orlando, I came off stage like, you're like a rock star. All the other shitty comics are like, ah, they're all patting you on the back because you did it for once. Because they've watched you bomb mm -hmm. for 12, 13 mm -hmm. weeks in a row. But then you're right back to bombing the next week because you're doing of the course. same shitty five minutes and it's not good. You just somehow mm -hmm. you got lucky that night. Anyway, so the bit was I made a joke about how um, I didn't like local news because it was morbid that they would just constantly show like murder scenes or traffic accidents. They would openly show body bags people dead on the street in body bags by mm -hmm. the way i don't know if you know this uh there's a the really super gory local news phenomenon started mm -hmm. in south florida started at oh. the wsvn uh and the news director mm -hmm. was famous for coining the phrase if it bleeds it leads oh and, that guy and so this was something that was, it really was at, again, this, now we're talking 1994 or so. It was like, God, you turn on the news. Like, I don't want to see something. So I would go, you know, they're constantly showing dead bodies, uh, you know, people, you know, in body bags on the news uh, all the time. And I, can't, I don't want to see it, but I'm like, oh, I can't help but look at it. It made me think maybe they should start placing ads on body bags. You know, companies could use it as mm -hmm. an ad placement. Like, of somebody just killed themselves, Nike, just do it. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I did that joke uh, that, that, you know, I had a few other examples and Danny said to me, Hey man, um, not for nothing. I've just seen a lot of comedians do some version of that, of an advertising, of taking advertising slogans and, and I was like, all right, cool. He's like, I'm, he's like, you do what you want. I just, it's just a worn out thing. I've seen a lot. I was like, all right, cool. Thanks. And I never, I don't think I ever did it again. I, I'm pretty sure that was it. I just never did it again. And it's funny because I, this is a guy that for some reason we had a lot of friction out of my own insecurity, but in retrospect was one of the few in that crowd 
in that in that in that group of people that took the time to actually talk to me or help me. <laughs> I mean, other people talked to me and stuff, but he was somebody that was good. And you know, he. Um, yeah. But I always wonder what. Became Do you remember when you gave me that same advice? No. When I first started, I was or before I even started, I was pitching you ideas of things I wanted to do as stand-up bits, and I did. I don't know why they're not putting advertising in porn. You know, like, and I'm like, Timex, if it keeps it licking and keeps on ticking. And I you don't were remember like, this. Oh, That's dude. funny. That's how yeah. funny is that? Did so I, I, I probably told I you the anything. same story. <laughs> did, I, did, I, yeah. did I tell you the same story? No, exactly. It's oh. <laughs> funny. You did, but it wasn't from the same perspective of like, this guy was like, uh, I was new and this other thing is like, no. You know, you're never going to believe it. I had something really similar when I started and this guy told me this, so you can do it if you want to, but, uh, but you know, yeah. like, just know that it's something that's been tried and true for a long time. It's not unique to you. Well, I, and I got to tell I got to tell you, I've seen a lot of comedians do some version of that. It, 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 it's I know. like, it's uh, Oh yeah. In my nine years now in standup, I've, every time I see that, I think about you telling me that and, and I'm I like, think Oh, I'm going to see this forever. Every time I see it, I think of him. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. no, exactly. Uh, so, you know, the thing is, though, man, I was, oh, was going to say about Brody. So, I remember once this comic, I can tell you later who it was, but he went up on stage and he's like, well, I don't know about such and such, but I know Brody Stevens is a big fucking dick, fucking started going off and like, and it wasn't. <laughs> And people, and people are like, all right, all right, stop. Get off the stage. And he's like, fuck you. He went up there just to tell Brody to go fuck himself. Zach Waldman, one of my best friends of my whole life. Let me tell you a couple little stories about Zach that really sum it up. When I first graduated high school, I was 17 years old. I moved to Chicago by myself. I had some family out there, but I didn't really have friends out there. So on one Saturday, my dad just told me to go get on a bus, go somewhere cool, meet some people. And so I got on the L. I got off when I saw Wrigley Field. I walked around that neighborhood. There's a lot of bars, a lot of broy bars, headed a little south. First guy to really talk to me was a guy named Zach Waldman flyering for his comedy show that night and he said hey Juan and I was like sure I'm Juan now he thought I was someone he already knew I went to the show he let me in for free because he thought I was his friend already I watched the entire show after the show Juan shows up and we look remarkably like each other and I was called mini Juan for years and Juan was like I don't like this <laughs> and uh but we all became friends and it was great and Zach showed me around Chicago and we became like great friends in Chicago and then about a year into me being friends with him in Chicago he moved to Los Angeles and then I feel like every six months for the next five years he told me I should move to Los Angeles until I finally did still great friends with him you should check out his YouTube channel just look up Zach Waldman he puts up a new video every week of just different things his different spin on the news and you know what it's interesting and he gets both sides commenting both very positive and very negative things because he's independently thinking, and I love that about him. And I love that when I ask him a question about what he thinks, I don't know what he's going to say. But I listen. Good friend. Check out Zach Waldman. He's doing stand-up a long time, 20 years. You guys heard a little bit about it. And then uh, 
He's also the one that pushed me into doing it myself. I, he knew I wanted to do it. He knew I wanted to do it for years before I started to do it. And then he's the one that talked me into just finally doing it. Because he was like, he's watched me long enough just wait for the right time. And he was like, there's not a right time. Just do it now. And he was right. Now is the right time. If anyone's sitting there and they're waiting for the right time, now is it. You guys have already missed it. Nope, there it is again. There's now again. Just do it. Zach, that's what Zach taught me. And, uh, and I... You know, some of the best advice my whole life was to just go out there and do it. Don't worry about it. when the time is right. Do what you want to do, and the rest will sort of work its way out. And it did. And uh, I think that's true for a lot of comics. Also, coming up this Tuesday, I have a very funny friend named Josh Nasser. If you know Josh Nasser, he is one of the silliest dudes that you would see hanging around the comedy store. He does a ton of impressions, a lot of energy, big energy, big jokes. From Mr. Josh Ness, big pranks, amazing pranks. And Josh didn't give any of that in the interview I had with him on Tuesday in the best way. I've never seen him so serene and so sincere. And he's been in lockdown for like five months. And it's actually been totally great for him. He's put himself in a great, like, just healthy place. And he wanted to talk about it. And he wanted to talk about what his mentality was like recently. And it was just a great conversation, and we got into it, and then afterwards we talked about some very, very personal things. More personal than I think I've gotten with, with anybody in the last year. It was really, it was the beginning to us having a deep conversation, which of course is very personal for the both of us, so we're not going to share some of those things. But it was really, it was really cool to see a, a man who's very silly get out of his silly bubble and just be all of the energy that he puts into silly, he just put into sincerity, and it's really cool. And that's coming on Tuesday. And I think that... No, I have a huge announcement. I thought I was about to sum this up. The pins have arrived. If you guys want a pin of my face or stickers of my face, they're in. Venmo me at Aaron M. Marsh for $10, and I will mail you. Send me your address and I'm going to mail you a pin and stickers and they look great. I've already posted pictures on my Facebook and my Instagram, my Twitter. I'm going to do it again, especially after this comes out. I'm going to be mailing them every Saturday. So, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm getting the orders ready throughout the week, mailing them on Saturday. Please Venmo me the $10, get the pins, get the stickers. And then post the stickers in bathrooms or whatever the hell you want to put them on. Show me your pins. I will share it. Whenever you tag me in a picture of my stickers or my pins, I will share it. I promise you. You know, like, that is the coolest thing you can do for me. You know, like, that is truly what support is. And I thank you guys already for wanting to support. Because if it wasn't for suggestions of things of people wanting to buy things, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have. But a couple of you have reached out and be like, no, I want to support you during these lock-in times. Even though lockdown is over for me. Uh... I bought them during lockdown, and they showed up now. It took two months to get the pins in. So that's the big news. Guys, you can find me at Aaron M. Marsh on everything, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Venmo, everywhere, on OnlyFans. That's where I'm at, guys. And then, of course, thank you for listening to the podcast, and thank you for putting up with me. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, whether I find a place in this world or never belong, I've got to be me.